0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to EPIC Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada.
1: My name's Joshua. And I'm Grayson. The date is August 6th, 2017.
0: And this is Episode 9, Profession and Purpose, Part 2, featuring the International Association of Emergency Managers.
1: In this episode, we continue our discussion in this multi-episode series on the professionalization of emergency management in Canada. Where are we going and how are we getting there? To help answer this, we explore the International Association of Emergency Managers and their role in Canadian EM.
0: We also have the pleasure of speaking with the current president of IAEM Canada, Greg Selecki, who will be telling us a little bit about his journey through emergency management and where he thinks the profession is headed.
1: All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current Relevant Canadian.
0: So as we mentioned, this is part two of our profession and purpose series where we discuss the rapidly growing field of emergency management and some of the paths to becoming an emergency manager.
1: For those who remembered in part one, we talked to Jack Lindsay about some of EM's professionalization past, and now looking forward, we examine how emergency management profession is organizing itself, specifically through the use of associations.
0: One of those associations is IAEM Canada, but before we begin on that subject. Acronym Analysis. That's right, we have some acronyms
1: to deal with. So uh, I think we've defined defined the first one already, IAEM, the International Association of Emergency Managers. We'll also be talking about the CEM, the Certified Emergency Manager, the AEM, the Associate Emergency Manager, and the BCAEM, the British Columbia Association of Emergency Managers, and the OAEM, the Ontario Association of Emergency Managers.
0: Now that that's cleared up, let's get to the interview. I have with me here today Mr. Greg Selecki, who is a very well known name in emergency management across Canada and in fact internationally, and who is amongst many, many other things the current president of IAEM Canada. Greg Selecki, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks a lot for having me, really excited to be here.
0: So this series is about professionalization and the various paths that emergency managers uh, can take to become recognized as professionals within Canada. So with that in mind, can you tell us a little bit about your own background as an emergency manager?
2: For me, it was uh, quite an interesting journey. I started off as a firefighter in the Lower Mainland in British Columbia before moving into Calgary. Um, where I spent maybe 15 years as a firefighter on the floor, went into different areas like hazardous materials, dive rescue, high angle, and the galvanizing moment for me was actually 9-11, where I had a lot more questions about uh, why things occurred the way they did, like a lot of other people did, how they happened, the destruction, not just from a critical infrastructure perspective, but also the convergence of the different emergency services that were on scene at that time. Just prior to that as well in Calgary we had the uh, Kananaskis G8 meeting uh, which really incorporated a lot of emergency operations centre structures and plans that had to be in place so I had a little bit of an exposure to what some of this meant because I was one of the hazardous materials specialists on scene for that and, and prepared for what anything could have occurred from a security perspective. So 9-11 occurred. I started looking around, asking questions within the city of Calgary and found out that our disaster services group was in place. And at that time, there was just uh, one person, a disaster services coordinator, and they had actually started posting for another disaster services officer at that time. So this was a little bit before the maturity, really, of of what uh, the city of Calgary had gained in emergency management and really grown their, their group to be. But after 9-11, I, I ended up uh, being the successful candidate. I was voluntold by the fire chief at that time to go work with the our utilities department in the city of Calgary because there were a lot of plans discovered at that time where uh, a lot of the bad folks uh, had decided they were going to do whatever they could to impact the water infrastructure in North America. So we needed to have uh, certain plans in place, whether um, working with the incident command system, understanding what um, those different processes were like, plugging into emergency services response, working within an emergency operations centre. So I, I had a bit of a background on that because I was still you know, new to emergency management. But I learned a lot from a business perspective and the critical infrastructure side of it while applying what I knew from the emergency services side. So uh, I kept moving forward, looking for any educational opportunities, any certification opportunities. And that's where IAM came in back in about 2002 for me. It offered a lot of opportunity to build my skills, training, whatever was needed to be a certified emergency manager, and then apply that to my current
0: uh, work uh, responsibilities. So what is IAEM Canada, and why is it important to the profession? Mm -hmm. IAEM, to start,
2: actually came out of the FEMA group in the United States in about the 40s or 50s. It had a different name at the time, but FEMA actually really wanted to um, provide a forum for the profession to grow and make sure there was a certain certification in place. So over the years, there's been a really strong relationship um, in the U.S. with IAEM and, and FEMA and the government, um, which is a bit different here. Uh, because we became a region in about 2002 and didn't become our own council until 2002 seven I think uh, we're, we're kind of young as far as an association in Canada is concerned but also I think as the awareness of the profession in Canada is concerned as well and that's where we're really trying to, to move with our membership and with um, the the role of an emergency manager is, is, is have folks, more aware, more broadly aware of what's available and the certification with IAEM Canada we're with IAEM is a great stepping stone for that, I think. So in Canada, I am Canada we're we're fairly young. But we've uh, grown leaps and bounds. Uh, Right now we have 400 members in Canada and uh, five standing committees, and now sitting on different boards uh, nationally and internationally, which are some great steps that have been taken over the past few years with the previous boards. And what we want to do is continue to carry that momentum forward. So we have, um, we sit on Disaster Risk Reduction Board nationally and internationally and the Tri-Services Committee as well. So having that uh, ability um, to provide some expertise from our members and offer that opportunity to our members is something that we want to keep moving forward for sure and having that good relationship federally with Public Safety Canada.
0: So you mentioned a lot of the important federal partnerships that you have. What about provincial? Uh, What is the relationship between IAEM and some of the provincial associations like BCAEM or uh, Ontario Association of Emergency Managers?
2: Yeah, one of the things we're really trying to do with one of our committees is the partnership committee and the membership committee is making sure we engage as much as possible with the provincial associations. Um, It's interesting, Canada being so Big and because we've got a smaller population with a bigger country, it's important to try and find those folks in those regions that are also working with an emergency management association and aligning ourselves with them. So, what we don't want to do is um, be necessarily involved in their provincial organization as, as far as what they're doing provincially with their work uh, and their members. What we want to do is ensure that we engage them so that they have a voice for some of the national work that we're doing with Public Safety Canada so that we can actually say as a national organization uh, we have good representation. So Right now if I go from west to east in British Columbia you mentioned that there's the BCAEM, the Association of Emergency Managers in place in Alberta we actually do have the Alberta region of the IAEM in place. Saskatchewan and Manitoba we're working with right now to develop a prairie region because we have members all across the country about 400 members right now um, Ontario being our largest uh, membership base and then after that it's Alberta the prairie region and the Atlantic region but you're right Ontario we've got about 150 members there and they have their own associations so some are the provincial association members as well as international association or AEM Canada members as well and where we and a lot of our board members about half of them are actually from Ontario so although they may be having dual representation in in uh, different associations still obviously we welcome their expertise and and that actually is a is a help to us to be a, a part of the board as well and then moving across, uh, Quebec as well has their own association. We're in discussion with them to see how we can work together. Because um, uh, we've got about two or three board members that are bilingual right now. Uh, so working with that association and engaging them would be would be great. We have about two dozen members in Quebec. And then throughout the Atlantic region, we've got uh,
0: uh, about 30 members out there right now. So is it a bit of a facilitation role or a unifying role that IAM Canada tends to play amongst the province? Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um. Um. I, I guess just uh, because some of the things we can offer is is really when we when we'll talk about it is is that networking opportunity and not just to you know get together on a weekend or something like that. But ne- networking within our own. Profession, so the emergency management side of it, sharing a lot of the information we have, the plans we have, the learnings we have, and at least th- this will be a start for that, and and provide that um, uh, forum, I guess, at least uh, with with the national board, with the IAM Canada Council, having that representation understanding and hearing what folks have to say from across the country where the different regions, whether it's Alberta, the Prairie region, uh, Quebec, uh, hearing what they have and then sharing, right, Like and helping each other out. Um, it, it's just a great opportunity uh, for us to be able to expand and have that representation. And then the groups, the provincial groups themselves, however they manage themselves, whatever their association looks like, that's fine. They, they continue to do that. We just really want to share that information and uh, I think provide The expertise on a national level to to folks like uh, Public Safety Canada or SORM or other areas that may be requesting some input from emergency managers, that is not always the the government side.
0: So that makes sense from a provincial standpoint. But what about a personal standpoint? Why would I as a a mid-level emergency manager want to join IAEM and who are you looking for? Yeah,
2: that's great. And I think um, uh, when I when I do look at my own progression through the profession, it's been uh, just that. You said mid-level. So when I first came in, so entry-level, um, where do you turn? And, and whether you go to the internet or you talk to some other people, usually what comes up is going to be IAM, the International Association of Emergency Managers, because... It is the only um, emergency management certification still uh, um, in North America, if not worldwide, right? And it's definitely one of the most recognized worldwide. And I know there's other groups out there, but specific to the emergency management side is is where we really provide that that initial entry level. So you get to work with the different people that are involved internationally or in your country. We're in seven countries now. Um, Also the resources that are available. Um, throughout the site and through the networking opportunities. So that's the entry level, That it, just a good exposure to see what's out there, what's it all about, any questions you have, um, job boards as well. Uh, r- most of the time, especially in the United States, and we've seen it here a lot in Canada, is when there's a posting for an emergency manager or business continuity um professional they're looking for some sort of certification now and from the emergency management side there's the AEM the associate emergency manager or the CEM the certified emergency manager and that's where uh, I think at that mid-level once you've kind of gone through the entry and you understand yeah you know this is something pretty cool that I want to work towards or or make a profession out of and and follow through with I think at that mid-level you that's where you want to um, look at the certification opportunities, other educational opportunities, and job opportunities. And that's what I am Canada can offer uh, from the mid-level. And then even from, I'd say, the senior level or whatever you want to call it, uh, where I'd say I'm at right now, I've uh, recently retired from municipal government, but I'm still working within the profession, uh, understanding that there's... Um, A a, a huge leadership opportunity here from an emergency management perspective. We've talked already about what are some of the opportunities nationally, um, who are we working with, what are some of the committees we're working on, so all the experience that uh, a lot of folks have in emergency management that have gone through those other two levels from entry to intermediate, it's about what can we offer the different levels of, of government, different um, critical infrastructure sectors, as far as the expertise at, at, at this level we have and the different networking opportunities we have as well to to put point people in the right direction.
0: So as the new president, what is the way forward for IAEM and what sort of challenges are you expecting to have to overcome?
2: It's really about engaging our membership and providing them with all the opportunities possible to to get them more engaged. I think um, with our standing committees right now, and there's five of them. We have the governance committee, communication and marketing, membership, uh, partnership, and professional development committees that really um, look at uh, again promoting and, and developing the profession as much as possible through those different areas, and we can always use the expertise out there as far as committees are concerned and, and the different memberships that are out there. We routinely will write white papers or respond to white papers or new bits of policy that are coming out nationally um, and, and will provide that expertise but also the representation from a lot of practitioners from across Canada uh, and their perspectives. So. That's where even if people don't want to be a committee member, um, their expertise would be just so valuable with with a lot of the work that we do as far as some of those papers go and some of the responses we have. So moving forward, we just want to make sure that the members are aware of what's available to them and how they can help out their association, because that's really what it's about is providing their expertise or their leadership for the association to move the profession forward
0: and to work with all these different entities that are involved. So one of the criticisms and challenges that I know IAM Canada has had to deal with in the past is differentiating itself from its U.S. counterparts. So what is the connection to the U.S. organization and what makes IAM Canada truly Canadian?
2: One of the best things that occurred over the past decade was Canada becoming its own region or council. And now there are nine councils worldwide, including Japan, Australia, Asia, Europe, and a few more that are coming on board. What that allows us to do is really to make any separation from what may have been a U.S.-centric type of association. Um, I, I Myself and uh, the other council presidents belong to the global IAM committee. So it's actually a global and international committee that manages um, all the different councils throughout the world. So it's more than just Canada now that's a part of the IAM, the International Association of Emergency Managers. We just happen to be the first region that, that was uh, developed uh, within IAM Global and now it's moved on from there. It also has to do with the maturity level of emergency management in Canada. Um, We talked already about the historical reference of IAEM in the United States and, and how the original group came out of FEMA because they were looking at a certified body to ensure the quality of emergency managers that they were employing across the United States. Whereas in Canada, um, IAEM didn't come out of Public Safety Canada, but we're working together with them a, a lot more. And, and the difference between that maturity level, that maturity model, is, is what makes Canada unique. Not just that reason, but I think there is a cultural difference as well, which is why we want to have our own region and our own council. We do things a little bit differently. We, we understand emergency management and all the critical infrastructure issues, but we're not... You know, exactly like the United States. The great thing about the USA Council, and of course we have a great relationship with them, is they provide the administrative support to the different councils and especially in Canada. So when we have a need for uh, website updates, when we have a need for newsletter um, articles or newsletters coming out or connecting with our members across Canada. Uh, all those things, different communications, you know, flyers, uh, whatever else comes out, marketing, um, that support, that admi- administrative support comes out of USA. And, and that's why another reason why we, we're associated with the International Association of Emergency Managers and, and have them as a, as a good friend for us because they provide that support.
0: What sort of professional is IAM Canada trying to recruit?
2: Yeah, anybody that's interested in emergency management, um, anybody, and it's not just directed at uh, folks that might think it's the emergency services, emergency management spans any sector, any entity, um, any type of industry in Canada, and there's going to be a A greater awareness Uh, the need has always been there Um, the awareness is going to be what uh, is going to be more of a focal point these days and when we have unfortunately these disasters and the country's so big we have something almost every year it seems right whether it's the flooding and fires in Alberta or the fires and flooding in BC the flooding in in Quebec I mean these are things that just happened this year even right Um, issues uh, from a climate change perspective that are going to be impacting the northern territories as years uh, come on or come by and, and looking at uh, disaster risk reduction. What does it mean to be an emergency manager when you're looking at all these different entities or different um, issues and, and areas right from Um, uh, something that occurs at a ground level that may be um, the accidental or or industrial impact to a community all the way to the climate change issues that you might be looking at as far as resiliency is concerned in developing um, a community itself and and, and looking at uh, making it more as resilient as possible and the impacts that we may be feeling from climate change so any of those industries, anybody that's um, uh, you know looking at um, from A all the way to Z from those uh, impacts to either their 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 entity, their workplace, or um, a municipality. I mean, there's four thousand municipalities in this country, and all of them are supposed to have a director of emergency management. So where do you begin? Where do you where do you start? I am Canada is one of those places that can help out.
0: Well, how do I get involved?
2: Yeah, um, it's pretty easy, uh, as, as whether you're that entry level, intermediate level, or that seasoned veteran. Uh, simply head to iaem.com, um, read through some of the articles and information that's there, but uh, click on members and, and join. It's $110. Uh, you become a member and you start getting all the information and uh, are available for any type of communication that comes out of IAM Canada. Join a committee if you've been a member for a little while longer. Um, reach out and contact any one of us that are on the board from the president right, uh, right to the different di- directors and committee members. And, and let us know what you're interested in and how you want to get involved. It's, it's pretty easy. Follow us on Twitter as well. We're there. Um, LinkedIn we have a group so there's lots of areas you can get to prior to even becoming a member but that membership is pretty easy and um, being a student uh, it's a $45 membership fee as long as you're a student in in any um, institution.
0: Greg Silecki thank you so much for joining us for this epic interview thank you for your time and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. Sounds
2: great really appreciate
0: it. it.
1: Sounds like you had a great conversation I also had the pleasure of seeing Greg speak a few years ago at the WCDM conference in Toronto, and he definitely draws from a a vast wealth of experience.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to get a first-hand account of IAEM's direction and national role. Absolutely. On to the tool of the trade. For this episode, because we're featuring IAEM, we decided to talk about the AEM and CEM dashboard. And as you remember, AEM is the Associate Emergency Manager and CEM is the Certified Emergency Manager. So these are the certifications that they offer and the dashboard is the way you apply. So once you become a member and you go through uh, that process, then they have this worksheet that you can find at ieemcem.org slash candidate slash dashboard. And there are certain criteria that you have to meet, uh, including uh, work history, references, an educational requirement, training hours, uh, professional contributions, and an essay. If you're like me and uh, just applying for the AEM, then what you have to fill out is the, uh, the references, the training hours, and the essay, as well as write the certification exam. Uh, I found the process to be actually quite comprehensive uh, in terms of the amount of training that you require to obtain this certification, which was for me, it was it was difficult, but for me it was actually uh, quite satisfying because it means this isn't a gimme. This isn't something that anyone can get, you do actually have to uh, prove quite robustly that you have experience in emergency
1: management. That's right, and uh, as somebody going through the CEM process, uh, Grayson and I certainly did a, a fair share of study sessions uh, before the exam, and I think those all uh, paid off. I should point out there's also a good webinar online where you can uh, watch and find out more about the application process and some of the frequently asked questions. And that's
0: accessible, again, through the
1: IAEM website. So on to Journal Club. Yeah, so for this episode, I reviewed a paper called Trust But Verify, Social Media Models for Disaster Management. It's by Meta, Bruins and Newton in the journal Disasters, in their most recent edition. And it's a multi-year study that was conducted through the Center for Emergency and Disaster Management in Australia. And it basically had a variety of people who were embedded in various social media positions in different disaster organizations and collected uh, their experiences, and, uh, as well as a, a large amount of targeted interviews, um, and, uh, and how those agencies used social media in crisis uh, response and disaster response. Essentially, the paper starts off with a, a very intriguing finding, which was the current um, issues around social media use lie mostly in the area of trust. The paper talks about what trust is, how is trust earned and lost in a disaster, how do organizations um, garner trust with the public, and and how do you know who to trust during a disaster. There's also a finding that many emergency managers actually have a uh, fairly large reluctance to rely on information solely gained through social media. The paper goes on to discuss a few different models for using social media and integrating social media into an organized response. One of them is the so-called intelligence gathering or, or aggregate method. And this is certainly the one that I've seen most used in EOCs and I would say is, uh, is probably now becoming uh, a standard of practice. It's a very passive collection of data in the sense that you're looking at large trends, you're looking for keyword searches, trending uh, hashtags, those sort of things, and you're looking and and acting on large bits of information, assuming that if you see recurrent themes in information or your intelligence, that it's going to be more reliable. The second model is called the quasi-journalistic model. And essentially that's more active. So that involves active social media users, either in the EOC or somewhere in the formal response structure, who are not just looking at trends, but they're digging deeper and verifying information that they find on social media, uh, trying to um, corroborate between two sources, uh, acting on their own insights and expertise to verify information, and using that really to uh, lead their situational awareness. And the third method is called the crowdsourcing method. And this is basically where you use social media um, and kind of feed it back to itself to get confirmation of the information through other social media users so for example um, if you're noticing a trend in social media you could put a post out asking for people to verify that information and this can uh, really call in large amounts of um, volunteers many of whom may be very distant from the disaster response and uh, collectively they work to verify information cross-reference information and assign some sort of um, uh, validity rating to it so to conclude this paper really talks about trust relationships and and the bottom line is that uh to get to the next level of social media usage in disaster management is really not a technology problem but rather a trust problem
0: yeah super interesting and obviously social media is not going anywhere so i also heard notes of uh, effective crisis communication principles in there that's right So the article that I chose to review is called The Taxonomy of Professionalism, Reframing the Academic Pursuit of Professional Development, uh, is by Brown and Farrell, and it primarily deals with pharmacy students, but it doesn't actually matter. As we've talked about in previous episodes, the vast majority of professions have shared features and professionalism certainly has its own tenets. Uh, and in this article, it takes the individual view of professionalism. So what makes someone a professional uh, in terms of their own characteristics? Mm-hmm. Uh, they reference a lot of the traditional material on professionalism. And they propose this professionalism taxonomy and a professionalism pyramid. And they, they come up with three main uh, areas of professionalism. Competence, connection and character. So the competence is that core body of knowledge that we're all familiar with as being a a key piece of a profession. The connection would be the interpersonal interconnectivity element. And then the character has to do with the individual and a shared view of uh, values uh, of a, a moral code and an attitude also called, in some professions, the hidden curriculum. Hmm. So it's this, this underlying culture that often evolves naturally and without purpose, and it is the position of this article that, that can be affected through purposeful education um, with this framework. So bottom line is, what is the profession, if not a collection of professionals? And affecting that hidden curriculum or that culture is very important in the uh, evolution of individual professionals. Yeah,
1: professionalism is definitely a uh, term that is uh, thrown around a lot, so it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a perfect segue into uh, this episode's book review, which is a book I just recently finished. It's called The Future of the Professions. It's by Richard Susskind and Daniel Susskind. He's actually his son. And the reason uh, I reviewed this book was I attended an event a few months ago uh, where one of the authors was actually speaking by, uh, by webcast from the UK about the, prof- the future of professions and uh, specifically uh, healthcare professions. Um, the, the book's titled, The Future of the Professions, How Technology Will Transform the Work of Human Experts. And it's basically a review of a variety of uh, uh, fields, uh, including um, uh, medicine, uh, the legal trade, uh, journalism, uh, various consultants, architects, the clergy, accountants, And it asks some some big questions and and does a good job of reviewing uh, what uh, a professional is in its uh, most core sense. So it talks about something called the grand bargain, which is essentially this implicit social contract that we have with professionals where we give them monopolies on authority to do different things you know uh, surgeons can do surgery and and lawyers can um, prosecute cases and uh, it talks about how this whole process developed over time and what it means uh, in a world where access to information is becoming uh, much more uh, democratized and anybody can uh, can you know get information and research things and um, have access uh, unlike they ever had before. Uh, It also talks about uh, comparing that with professional experience and uh, how there's often some tension there. Uh, In terms of the the big questions that I I thought were most thought-provoking, they asked about, uh, the authors talk about the role of a body of knowledge and how that um, is core to a certain profession, uh, profession being defined as a profession. Um, it talks about how a, a professional has to have some sort of agreement to put their interests second to, um, to their clients or, or their patients. And it talks about how professions definitely change over time. What a professional is today is not what a professional was uh, you know, 50 years ago. In, in terms of emergency management, the questions that uh, it raised for me was, you know, is emergency management following the right model? Uh, you know, we we're talking a lot about emergency management professionalizing, but what does that mean? Does that just mean more courses, more certificates, higher levels of training? Um, if, uh, you know, the definition of professional is changing, you know, we want to make sure we're not using a broken model. Uh, there definitely is some concerns I've heard about credential creep in emergency management or the so-called merit badge courses and, and all these different uh, um, certifications that, that you can get. Uh, you know, it makes you wonder what is the core body of knowledge for emergency management and how does that play into experience and and what's the the ratio that a a professional would need. And also what does the public expect from an emergency management professional? So we know that uh, the public now expects that disasters and emergencies are responded to in an effective manner, that you can't just say it's a disaster and that's a get out of jail free card. But what does it mean in terms of the, the individual professional and what social contract may, um, may there be between, between an EM manager and the public? So although this book wasn't specifically about emergency management, uh, I would still recommend it. It's a good interdisciplinary read and uh, asks a lot of uh, thought provoking questions.
0: Yeah, I especially like your question about the core body of knowledge because a lot of the literature out there doesn't belong to emergency management. That, That's right. That information on hazards belongs to geology or environmental sciences. Yeah. The engineering. The, yeah, or engineering. The information on uh, on evacuation theory um, and crowd movement that belongs to sociology. That doesn't really belong to emergency management in the same way uh, that. Medicine has its own body of knowledge. so Yeah,
1: yeah it's quite interesting. You really have to be a, um, take an interdisciplinary approach. And I think when we talk about unifying models for uh, disaster theory, increasingly we're seeing you know, these different perspectives and different lenses. What is the sociologic approach to disasters versus the engineering approach to disasters? Yeah, um, yeah so I think you have to be a kind of jack of all trades yeah, uh, in this job. And that's all for that episode,
0: but clearly we still have a lot to explore on this topic, so stay tuned for part three of Profession and Purpose. Coming soon. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an epic podcast production. As always, this production is designed as a supplementary educational tool for the emergency management professional, and the views and opinions explored during this podcast do not in any way represent the agencies or organizations that myself or Josh are
1: employed by or may be a part of. For more information about the show or the people on it, please visit our website at epicpodcast.ca. And feel free to follow us on Facebook at Epic Podcast, all one word, or send us a tweet at username epicpodcast. Until then, I'm Josh. And I'm Grayson. This has been Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. Current. Relevant. Canadian.